Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Scotty Miller of the Bucks. Mark Schlereth of the list of friends I have will join us in this hour on the Goodyear Hotline. Delighted to be doing all of that and more. Having any number of frustrating conversations behind the scenes with uh, my information man, uh, Paul Hembikitis, otherwise known as Hembo, who seems to know nothing about anything besides sports. You know this. I spent the first 30 years of my life reading about baseball and most nothing else. But, but you keep saying, when we just did this list of movies, well, I was five when that movie came out or whatever it was. I mean, I was four when the movie The Godfather came out. I, I know every line of dialogue from The Godfather. There are other ways of seeing okay, these movies. Okay, but none of those movies were on that level. Like The Godfather is a legendary movie. The movies yeah. you just listed don't, don't rise to that level. These are me. all movies worth seeing. I'm telling you that right now. And then you went on to say you, don't know, you know so little about pop culture. What did you go so far as to say? I don't know that I could name every member of The Beatles. That's how far I would go. That's, it, it's unimaginable to me. Try it. How many of them could you name? Okay, okay. so off the top of my head, yes. you often talk about Paul, Paul McCartney. Okay. I'm pretty sure he was a Beatle. You're okay. pretty sure Paul I'm McCartney was a almost Beatle? Almost certain. Um, <laughs> John Lennon is someone I've heard of before. I, he was either an astronaut or a Beatle. You've right? heard of before. Yes. He was a Beatle. Okay, and the, and the only third name that comes to mind is Ringo Starr. Because That's it's a very, correct. It's, it's a very memorable name. It's a memorable name. Is that all of them? No, there's one more. Okay, well, I'd, I, I don't have a shot. To name that fourth person. If I told you George Harrison, would you then say, oh, okay, I've heard that before? Yeah, I thought he was the guy that directed Star Wars. That's George not? Lucas. What, what is the matter with you? <laughs> that is just unimaginable. You don't know the Beatles. What, 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 what planet have you lived on? Is it more important for me to know football stuff for you or, or Beatles stuff yes. for you? Yes, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. It is more important for you to know both of those things. All right, that's very disturbing. All right, give me, give me the, the trivia question again. Which U.S. president helped institutionalize the forward pass in football? Okay, so we are doing presidential-themed stuff today on this President's Day. So you're telling me that a former president helped institutionalize the forward pass? Yes, he was a part of the legalization of the forward pass and a big part of the safety initiative of football at a time when it was very unsafe. Okay, so this would have been like in the 20s or the teens? Have I got that roughly you're, you're, right? Yes, you're ballpark correct. You're close. So is that, I mean, I, have, I, I just don't know. I mean, that, it's, it, it's institutionalized, the forward pass. Is the answer someone like, like, like Hoover? Before that, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt? That's correct. You're, you're floored by these answers. Today. So he was the president longer ago than that, though. They Nin- were playing football in, in, the, in the first decade of the 1900s? Let me read you the backstory quickly. In 1905, football was under scrutiny after 18 deaths related to the sport were reported. Roosevelt invited college officials to the White House saying, football is on trial because I believe in the game. I want to do all I can to save it. They, they, they you know, uh, institutionalized the forward pass. They eliminated the, 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 the wedge, right, that... That flying wedge or whatever they called it, he was a big part of that. Okay, well, so you're saying that. See, here's the thing: you're saying they eliminated, you know, that flying wedge, like that's something everybody has on the tip of their tongue. But you didn't know for certain that John Lennon was in the Beatles. The flying wedge is a Beatles song, no? Uh, no, let's just get to the bottom of this. Here is that there are certain things everybody knows, right? And then there are some things that almost no one knows, and just me, and and, and just you know it. All right, that's a very. That's a very strange question. By the way, we, I also have the list. This was done by Golf Digest, so I can't independently verify this. But of the greatest athletes ever to be president, so of the five greatest athletes to become president of the United States, number five is Eisenhower, who, as I told you earlier, was a member of Augusta. 
Number four is Kennedy. He played football his freshman year at Harvard. He loved sailing and won several races and swam at Harvard, too. So he is number four on the list of best athletes. George H.W. Bush, who I believe, didn't he play baseball with Lou Gehrig? He played at... He played at Yale and played in the College World Series. I don't know the Lou Gehrig connection. I feel like there was some connection to Lou Gehrig. I may have that wrong. Number two is Teddy Roosevelt. And number one is Ford, who was the starting center on Michigan's football teams that won national championships in 32 and 33. Yeah, he turned down professional offers in football. To, to go on and become the president of the United States. So we've got a lot of presidential-themed stuff today. As I mentioned, Scotty Miller is going to join me coming up here. Mark Schlereth is going to join me coming up. You can tune in tonight for college basketball action. Number 17, Florida State takes on number 9. Virginia coverage here on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app. And if you ever miss anything on this program, a reminder that it is available as a podcast. Hashtag Greeny is the name. We take the show every single day. We break up the two hours into two individual one hour podcasts and you can check it out anytime you like. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. But because we're going to be so busy the rest of the hour, I wanted to tell this one story because it's one I haven't told in a very long time and I think you will enjoy it. And it is... You know, Mike and I over the years met a lot of presidents and, and we had, you know, we, we've I've had the great fortune, the great pleasure, the great privilege, whatever you want to call it, of meeting quite a few presidents of the United States over the course of my life, which is always thrilling and um, a little bit overwhelming. But the only time we were ever invited to the White House was by President George W. Bush. And the story of that day was that he would, President Bush, had a t-ball game that they would do on the White House lawn. They apparently did this every summer. I had not been aware of it, where they would get kids of special needs, special abilities from all over the country. They would have 50 kids, and there would be one from each state. I don't know exactly the process by which they got chosen to be a part of this game, but they'd get to come. And they made it into a wonderful event, just a spectacular event on the White House lawn in which they had like Major League Baseball legends who would come and be the honorary coaches of the game. So the day we were there, Ryan Sandberg mm. and John Smoltz wow. were the coaches of the, two ga- of the game. They had an honorary commissioner of the league, and it was Frank Robinson. So Frank Robinson is there. They, had, um, they sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Kenny Chesney sung the national anthem and Take Me Out to the Ball wow. Game. And they had announcers, and the announcers were Mike and me. So my, my favorite part of that day, I have two great stories, and it was an incredible experience, and I've always been thrilled to have been invited to be a part of it and, and, and to have been a part of it, the celebration of baseball. But my two favorite stories that I tell about that day are, one, when we're being, we're being presented to the president. So before the event itself, we are actually in the White House, and it's Smoltz, Sandberg, Golick, and me. And we're in this room. Some room in the White House. Like I'm walking through the White House, looking around. It's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the White House for crying out loud. And we're in this room, and they, they take us one by one to go meet him and the First Lady, Laura Bush. And a member of the Coast Guard escorts you over to meet them, has a little card with your name on it, and announces to them who you are, and then you shake hands with them, and you have like a little moment. So this is going on. So Sandberg goes... Smoltz goes, now Mike and I are going. So we come around a corner, and there's President Bush and his wife standing there. And he just looks up at us, President Bush, and he goes, hey, Mike and Mike, all right. Just like that. Much heavier accent than I was expecting. Much. Like in, 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 in casual conversation, heavy accent. Very Texas. 
In Mike and Mike, all right. This throws everybody. So now the dude with the card, the Coast Guard guy, he doesn't know what to do because it's obvious the president knows who we are. But the first lady has no idea who we are. <laughs> so he's kind of stuck in no man's land. And the president starts talking to us and we start talking back. And my eyes sort of venture over to the face of the first lady. And she's giving him the exact look that my wife gives me all the time when I've done something irretrievably stupid. Because she is now, she's very, very well-mannered. And she is upset that she cannot greet us by name and, in fact, has no earthly idea who we are. (laughs) And she is giving him that look that every married man on the planet is intimately familiar with that (laughs) says, oh, yeah, you've got access to the nuclear codes. And I know you're Mr. President of the United States. But I cannot begin to tell you what a schmuck you are right now. That is the look that she is giving him. (laughs) And that was a big part of my, when I toured with my book, Why My Wife Thinks I'm an Idiot, I told that story all the time. I wrote the book before that, but I wish I hadn't because it was the best example of it I've ever seen. You can be the most powerful person in the world, but I guarantee you, down deep inside, your wife thinks you're an idiot. I don't have time for any more stories here, but I will tell more about that day as we continue because it was an unforgettable day. Scotty Miller is going to jump in here next. Mark Schlereth still to come. It's a busy day, a President's Day edition of Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny, the podcast. I am Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. We had some technical difficulties early connecting to this man, but it is my delight now to welcome on the Goodyear Hotline Super Bowl champion Scotty Miller of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Scotty, welcome to ESPN Radio. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and I, I apologize we had a little issue, but I'm glad we're able to do it. And I wonder, we're a week removed from it now. Have you gotten accustomed to people saying Super Bowl champion? A little bit, but I think it's still sinking in um, as we've been kind of celebrating the whole last week, um, just kind of enjoying it. We were going at it for a while, and uh, we are all cooped up for like 20, 20 straight weeks, even more than that, uh, if you include camp. So uh, it's nice to finally be able to get out of the house a little bit. Um, so it's been it's been fun, and it's starting to starting to sink in. What, what has this week been like? To take for the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us who will never win a Super Bowl. Tell us about <laughs> it. What is this week like? 
It's been crazy. Uh, really, ever since uh, the, the the game was over Sunday night, I mean, just starting with the celebration was was wild. Um, we uh, we had a party at the aquarium after, and, and Migos, Ludacris were there, and then uh, and then just kind of hanging out with everybody, friends, family, the whole week, just celebrating everything you've accomplished, and just uh, uh, every everyone for me at least was down here that kind of helped me throughout my whole life. My parents, you know, my siblings, my wife, uh, her family, so. Um, it's really fun to kind of celebrate and remember all the moments that, that helped you get to this point. It's got to be. It, it's an extraordinary thing. And uh, you know what? I, I hope that you go on to have a long career and have a lot of great moments. But the I don't know that you will ever have one quite like what happened at the end of the first half of the NFC Championship game. As I was trying to introduce you an hour ago, I said that I think that was the biggest play of the NFL season. Take us back to that whole sequence where first your team is going to punt, then the punt team comes off, now you're going for it on fourth down. Now all of a sudden, you're in the end zone with one second left in the half. Take us back to that sequence. Yeah, that was an unbelievable moment. Uh, certainly one that I will never forget. One I, I don't even know if I could have dreamed of it. Um, but I mean, I remember, yeah, we 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 sent the punt team out, and we were all kind of hoping we were going to go for it. And then our coaches, like they always do, BA and Byron are, are super aggressive, always in attack mode. So they decided to put the offense back out there. And then I think uh, I think uh, Lenny Lenny Fournette had a big uh, big catch to convert that fourth down. And then um, we were really just gonna. I, I thought it was gonna be more like a hail mary type play on my touchdown. Um, I was telling Chris to widen out in the bunch of me. I was thinking we were both gonna run to the back corner of the end zone, and just you know I was gonna hope to catch a tip ball, but then. Uh, we saw they were in the, kind of like a cover one type defense, and my corner was just kind of like ten yard ten yards off me in a slow back pedal. So I was able to just really just run right by him, uh, like you guys all saw. And then Tom, Tom saw the same thing and just put a put a easy ball out there for me. Uh, and it's just a play we've made countless times, you know, over the summer and then throughout the season. So um, just an unbelievable moment um, with one second left, like you said, to, to give us a little cushion going into half. Um, so it was a uh, it was a great play. It was a jolt. I mean, it was it was one of those huge turning point kinds of moments, and your team had that again in the Super Bowl, where where you score the late touchdown before halftime, and those those kinds of things become incredibly important. Scotty Miller of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is with me here, and and I, I heard some people suggesting, and I, I don't think this is a pejorative. I, I think it's a reasonable question that there, there are very few white wide receivers in the National Football League, and generally they are possession guys. And, and maybe sometimes people underestimate you because of that. Do, do you feel you have been underestimated in your career as a receiver because you're white? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, go too far into if I'm white or, or why, but I will say I for sure have been underestimated, um, even just like in getting recruited, um, really my whole life just getting doubted as a player. And as far as like guys going up against me, no one really thinks I can run how I can run until they until they get up get up and have to run with me on a deep ball. Um, but I think at this point, I, I've been doing it all, all year, all my career. But but this year, especially in the NFL, I've been running by dudes um, at a pretty good clip. So I think most people know I can, I can run a little bit. So I think if you don't know that, you're just not not uh, looking at your scouting report. Um, but uh, but I mean, if people want to disrespect me, I, I mean, I like that. It makes it look, makes it easier for me. I mean, that, that's the, the next thing you know. You're behind them and you're in the end zone. So <laughs> it works yeah, out just exactly. fine. All right. So, so you know that um, I, I saw when you were on Dan Patrick's show, you were talking about whether you're as fast as Tyreek Hill and all of that. I'm not sure if you know this, but Tyreek Hill was on my TV show on Get Up, and we're putting together a race with him and Adam Schefter for, um, for charity. 
how do you feel? Would you be willing to raise Shefty? I'm representing Mr. Schefter in these negotiations. Are you willing to raise Shefty for charity? Because he's he's deceptively fast too. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen him. I've seen him on a couple of you guys' clips. You know, on uh, before Monday Night Football and stuff like that. He can. He looks like he can cook a little bit. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a lose lose situation for me because if he if he gets me then then that's not good. And if, if I beat him, it, that's what everyone expects. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to, I'd love to do whatever for charity. Um, I'd love to do something with Tyreek too, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to race. That'd be, that'd be fun. I, I love the healthy fear. You're at least feigning to have of Adam Schefter speed. I think that's great. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's great. Hey, one thing, the real reason, well, not, there are so many reasons I wanted to have you on, but I loved this story. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. Before the Super Bowl, I read a story, and I don't know how many people across the country know it, but tell everybody how your wife was played an integral role in getting you ready for the season. Oh, yeah, she was, uh, she was huge. During the pandemic, uh, we really couldn't go work out anywhere. Um, so she, uh, we would go out. We, I lived in a townhouse in South Tampa last year. We'd go get this little patch of grass on the side of the house, and she would throw me the ball for like an hour every single day, just work on over shoulders and catches. And she actually has a pretty good arm, too. Um, so she just rifled the ball at me for about an hour every day, like I said. And, uh, and she really helped me get ready before, before Tom showed up. Um, and then she, she let Tom take over. But also, when I was getting ready for my, for my pro day, um, I, was, I was working out up in New Jersey where she's from, and I didn't have a quarterback. So I would just go out the field with her, and, and she would get the job done. It, it really helped me out. So um, it's also saved me a few bucks not having to buy a jugs machine. So, uh, so it's, been, uh, it's been pretty good. I'm pretty thankful for, for her. She's got good arm talent, right? I mean, as I was reading the story, it sounds like that's that's the phrase these days. Your wife has pretty good arm talent. Pretty good arm talent, yeah. I don't know, I don't know where it came from, but uh, but she can she can swing it about forty yards in the air. So uh, you know, I take off on a go route, she gets it up, and uh, it gets gets it to me. I, I loved reading that story, and and it just it was one of those stories that probably had it not been for the Super Bowl would never have been told. And now you're, you know, that, that, that charming little story and all that stuff is out there. Again, you had one of the big moments of all time. Uh, Scotty Miller, congratulations. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming back here after we had a little trouble hooking up. Uh, best wishes on the off season, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks very much. Awesome, man. It was great talking to you. Uh, you too. That's Scotty Miller of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who is fast and great. Hembo gave you the stat earlier. Tom Brady has never averaged as many yards per completion throwing to anyone, including Randy Moss or anybody else, as he has to Scotty Miller. And that was the single biggest play of the NFL season. Mark Schlereth, next, ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
ESPN Radio and the Undefeated, celebrating black history always. Lift every voice and sing. On December 8, 2020, Paris Saint-Germain and Istanbul Beşiktaş Shahir players walked off the field in protest 14 minutes into their Champions League match after a referee used racist language toward an Istanbul assistant coach. The match was postponed until the next day with new referees, and PSG would go on to win 5-1. Black History Always, The Undefeated, and ESPN Radio. Rolling along here, Greeny with you again. Hembo says he's never heard of the Beatles and couldn't name you <laughs> the members of the band or ten of their songs. This is one of their very famous I'll songs. take your word for it. This is Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and it is my delight to present for you my longtime friend and outstanding NFL insider, the one and only Mark Stink Schlereth is with us on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Stink. Good morning, Greeny. How are you, my friend? I am good. I, I see all the pictures there on Instagram. You now with the ever-growing family, the third grandchild there. Congratulations. I appreciate that. It's been a uh, it's been a blast. There's no question about that. Had uh, little Zane and the girls over yesterday, and uh, no better thing in the world than having one of your grandkids fall asleep on your chest. It uh, it was absolutely awesome. I love the pictures. For those who don't know, Stink is known as Popo by his grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I announced last week that on, on this program, Stink, that when I have grandchildren, they're going to call me Greeny. I'm not into the whole grandpa thing. There's nothing. I, that, that, I just, Greeny is in it, it's sort of a name unto itself, a nickname unto itself. I could just see them gathering around my, you know, my rocking chair someday and saying, Greeny, tell us about what it was like to talk football with Mark Schlereth back in the day. I love, I love it. Exactly. That's exactly what they should call you. Greeny is perfect. That is the perfect name. See, no reason why. If they could add the hashtag, that would work yeah. out really well, too. Okay, uh, let's get down to business. <laughs> so here's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So last week when the reporting on Deshaun Watson comes out, there, there, uh, Jeremy Fowler on, on the TV show with me on Get Up says, the two places I know for sure he's interested are go- in going are San Francisco, which doesn't surprise me at all, and mm-hmm. Denver, which I will say surprised me a little. Now, Stink hosts a talk show in Denver. You played for the Broncos. You live there. Give me a sense of if you're a young quarterback like him, make the case. Like, what, Why would it make sense for him to want to come to Denver right now? Tell us about the, things about that team that we may not otherwise know. Well, I think, I think the things you have to look at is the investment in young players that have been made by John Elway and his scouting department over the last several years. If you look in their draft last year, Jerry Judy, first rounder, had some drops, some inconsistent play, but there is no question about his talent level. K.J. Hamler, second rounder, can really run. And then you go back several years, you've got Cortland, uh, Cortland Sutton, who's coming off an ACL injury, but really established himself as a guy that could become a premier type of wide receiver, big, long, lanky, very good, raw when he came in, but has really progressed. And then also Noah Fant in the first round at the tight end position who can run like the wind. So if you're a young quarterback and you see all those young, talented weapons, I'm not saying they're great football players yet, but they're very young and they have a lot of talent and there's a lot of room for growth potential in all those players. And they fixed their left tackle situation. Garrett Bowles went from being the holding this guy in all of football and looking like a bust to which 
They did not want to uh, pick up his fifth-year fifth year option to all of a sudden playing lights out, second-team All-Pro, and getting a long-term deal. So, you know, the, the building blocks of something special offensively from a weapons standpoint are certainly there. And, and the quarterback play has been the problem. Hembo gives me the number here. Since Peyton Manning retired, the Broncos are second to last in the league in QBR. Only the Jets have been worse. So why haven't they been able to get it right? John, I mean, uh, Stink, your old buddy John Elway, who you played with, I know how much you love him. The, the one criticism that we've heard of him is he hasn't been able to get the quarterback piece of it right, and you would think if anybody could do it, he would do it. Why haven't they been able to get the quarterback right? Well, see, I think it's, I think it's more, and this is where John and I kind of part philosophies. I think it's more about the philosophical approach to having an identity. I think offensively, you have to have an identity. You have to have something that you believe in. If every week you're just scheming based upon an opponent's deficiencies, you don't have an identity. You have to have something, I believe, to hang your hat on in the run game, in the pass game. This is what we are at our core. And when push comes to shove, this is how we're going to execute. And so I go back. You've had six different offensive coordinators, five or six different offensive coordinators in the last six years. You have had um, different philosophies and different coaches, um, different head coaches. I mean, I, I go back and I look at all these things. Drew Locke, going all the way back to college, has never had the same offensive coordinator through his college career and now his first two years in the, in, in the professional ranks. Does he have a lot of growth potential? Yes. But even if he grows exponentially, here's the problem is he still going to be the fourth best quarterback in his own division? Mm. And you tell me. I mean, hell, you're a Jets fan. How many times do you have the fourth best quarterback in your division and you win? It just doesn't happen. And that's the big issue. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. Part of it is that he's sitting in there with Kansas City. Everyone in the world figures to be looking up at Kansas City for the foreseeable future. But you just made the point. They've got all the weapons, and they've got a good defense. Von Miller comes back. They're good. There's a lot. If they do get to Sean Watson then all of a sudden that changes everything. So what is the sense there? Do, do you and the people close to it think that that's a, a real possibility at this point, a likelihood? I think there's a lot of people that have that have the um, conception that, that believe that Deshaun Watson, there is a potential Deshaun Watson coming there. Um, what, what percentage that is, I'm not 100% sure. I would also tell you from my perspective, just looking at this football team, there are still depth holes that have to be filled. And on defense, they had the highest paid defense in football. They have lost cornerbacks. They've got uh, one cornerback in um, Callahan who has never been able to make it through a season. So that's a question mark there. Um, defensive line is a question mark. Middle linebacker. Having a, a true three-down middle linebacker is a question mark. So there's a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball that have to be addressed. Um, and I think depth overall, the roster depth, is not good enough to be a consistent contender. So uh, Deshaun Watson certainly helps fix some some glaring weaknesses that they have, but I, st I still think there's a lot of work to be done within this roster. Mark Schlereth is with me on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. I, I miss being able to bounce things like this off you, uh, Stink. There, there are people who are now referring to the, NBA, the NFL as sort of like the NBA-ization of the NFL with so many players, Deshaun being the highest profile of them, but so many others kind of taking control of their situations in ways that no one ever used to. 
And you and I have talked a million times over the years about the way you felt about, you know, how, how little power you had as a player and, and all of the issues that you've had with that. So what is your take as you sit back now and you watch a lot of these high-profile players taking a level of control over their destiny that just has not traditionally been a part of pro football? Yeah, I actually, I actually have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed watching guys kind of proverbial, uh, you know, the proverbial flexing of muscles, if you will. And, you know, I think it comes from a place where, you know, as long as, as you're in a situation where you want to do what's right for your own career, you want to win, and you look at your organization as an organization that hasn't been giving you that opportunity, um, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with guys essentially flexing their muscle of guys. I mean, there are so few guys that have the opportunity to have leverage over an NFL franchise that um, that this is what we're seeing with the contracts that they've been given out and, and the things that are going on. Um, and I love it. I love seeing players have that opportunity, and I love it seeing organizations be held accountable. If you're going to tell, you know, if, if you're going to sign a guy like Deshaun Watson to a huge contract and tell him, Hey man, you're the face of a fortune 500 company and we're going to consult with you. And then you don't do it. Well, then you're lying to your players and, and that's a horrible situation to be in. So if you're going to give guys the power, you better adhere to what you tell them you're going to do. And so I love Deshaun Watson basically saying, Hey man, I'm not going to put up with this baloney. Yeah, I do too. And I know just from from your life experience as a player in the league, I had a feeling that you would feel that way. All right, I've been saving up the best question here for, for now. How, uh-huh. how vindicated, validated, and delighted were you as an offensive lineman by the way the Super Bowl played out? That the, even the great Patrick Mahomes and that super high-flying offense, when their O-line all got hurt, they couldn't figure out anything. And, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line flexed its, its muscle. And that, that Super Bowl was decided at the line of scrimmage in the trenches where you spent all those years of your career. How much did you love that? Oh, I absolutely loved it. And I, and I, would, I would go a step further. I, I would say that look throughout the playoffs, look throughout the entirety of the playoffs. If you win the battle of the trenches, if you win a line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively, I, I would venture to guess, and, and I could make a compelling argument, that every team that won the physicality matchup won the game, regardless. Now, most of the good quarterbacks are there. I understand that. But, you know, even Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers took a beating in that game against Tampa Bay that allowed Tampa Bay to go to the Super Bowl as opposed to the Green Bay Packers. And you can go through the entirety of the playoffs and show me the team that captured a line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and I'll show you the team that won the game. And, um, and that held true in the Super Bowl as well. And so that's still football, right? Like, like the game has become yeah. all this high-flying passing and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, that remains true. Football is still about who wins the line of scrimmage? Absolutely. And I will tell you the other thing is um, the best coaches have a way of not only attacking your weakness, but mitigating their own weaknesses um, during the process. And so I was really disappointed in Andy Reid and his offensive staff because you knew you had a weakness going into that game and you ignored it like, hey, we're going to make up with it with just speed and athleticism. It's not how it works. You did not do a very good job of mitigating the fact that you had three different starters as offensive linemen in different positions, and you went about business as usual like you had no injuries and no issues there. And it ended up costing you. And the lack of adjustment over the course of that game was, um, if we're going to praise him for being great, 
from a coaching standpoint, then he also deserves criticism when things don't work out. And that was a horrific game plan and a lack of adjustment that's just um, incomprehensible to me. I agree. I mean, even I know that you take what the defense is giving you when your offense is struggling, and they never did. The the underneath stuff, the running the football stuff, the Clyde Edwards Mm -hmm. allure of it all, that stuff is there when, when Tampa's playing the defense they were playing, and they never took it. Yeah, I went I went back through the defensive game plan or the defensive tape on uh, the coach's tape. And um, I tell you what, you want to talk about Tampa did a great job. Todd Bowles did a phenomenal job of coaching his guys depth and cheating zones. And so, for instance, I always talk about the expansion of width when you're playing zone defense, meaning that. Hey, if you're supposed to be a a hook dropper at at 10 to 12 yards, two yards outside the hash, can you extend that to 14? And can you extend that three or four yards out? Take away that curl, take away that drive or that that dagger route, that in-cutting route. And, And can you do those things and still break on the ball when it's thrown underneath? Well, guess what? They didn't have to break on the ball when it was thrown underneath. So they essentially, through coverage and through drops, they essentially took away Patrick Mahomes' first read and made him clutch the ball and that's all they needed for that defensive front to get there if those things would have been open had they played those things traditionally Patrick Mahomes would have been completing those things but they basically said we'll give you the run we'll let you throw it underneath we're going to rally up and tackle will you take it and the Kansas City Chiefs I call it football hubris said no we don't want to do that we want to win the way we want to win and um, again it's one of those things that just has me scratching my head yeah, it was it was amazing to watch. I agree with you. I was thinking it at the time, and then we came in here Monday, and everyone was talking about it. Stink, uh, wonderful to see you as always. My best of the family. Be well, and I will catch up with you again soon. Take care. You too, buddy. Always good to talk to you. All right, see you soon. That's Mark, the great Mark Schlereth, who worked with us here at ESPN for years. Now does games at Fox. Does a really good job and hosts the the local radio show there in Denver. And as 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 good with that stuff, and has been lived. He lived his career in the trenches. And he that's just nothing he loves more than talking about that. And, and I know all the linemen, all the linemen loved this Super Bowl. Right, Hambo is here and you've got presidential trivia for me all day long on this President's Day. Let me hear the next question. Greeny, which U.S. president threw out the most ceremonial first pitches? Which U.S. president threw out the most ceremonial first pitches? See, that's a very interesting question. That is a tradition that began... I want to say in the 19-teens-ish. Uh, Taft was the first. Taft was the first. So we're talking about 110 years roughly, mm-hmm. right? So so throughout the most first pitches. So it's got to be someone who was the president a long time. So, okay, I'm working my way through this. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the president for a really long time, but he was also in a wheelchair because he had polio. So it strikes me that he may have not been as inclined to be throwing out first pitches as others. That it- FDR is correct. FDR is the answer. You have to remember. You have to remember though. They used to throw out the first pitch from from the stands. Right. And that's the old pictures you always see: is the president throwing out the pitch from the stands. He threw out a record nine first pitches between 1933. That's the record in 1941. Only nine. Nine. Once a year, probably. He was the president a really long time. He yeah. only threw it nine he, first pitches. But he was the only one that did it more than eight years. I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, well, that's true. But you can, <laughs> you can throw out more than one first pitch a year. How is it possible that I have thrown out more pitches, first pitches at, at baseball games than any president? Well, this is opening day is, is a big deal. 
Oh, right? did you did you actually say opening? No, day? I did not. I think the the ceremonial first pitch here that I'm looking at is implied. But even if not, I don't recall presidents doing so. I guess presidents don't show up like you know in the dog days. You know, game two of a doubleheader on August 9th. <laughs> You know, t- twins and White Sox 12, going at it 12, today. 12,000 in, in attendance. And, and here's the president on the south side of Chicago. I got nothing to do. I'll just show up. I'll throw out a first pitch. All right, fair enough. M- maybe it makes a little more sense. If it's opening day, then maybe that makes a little bit more sense. All right, I want to finish it up today where we began it. Because we got two interesting basketball stories from each coast right now. The best basketball, by and large, is being played on the coasts right now with the Brooklyn Nets on one side, who I think are clearly coming into their own as the team to beat in the East. And, of course, the Lakers, where the Lakers and the Clippers are the two teams in the West. That, that is not to discount what Utah is doing. Right now, Utah is playing better than anybody else in the sport. But the Lakers have themselves a real problem. And I got sent a note. I haven't heard it yet. But Stephen A. apparently said on first take today that this injury to Anthony Davis might very well re-decide who wins the championship this year? I mean, the Lakers, to me, are clearly the team to beat. They are the overwhelming favorite. But for those who didn't see it, last night, late-night game, Lakers-Nuggets, a game that Denver would win late in the first half, Anthony Davis re-aggravates an injury. What did we decide it was called? Tendinosis? Tendinosis. Not to be confused with tendinitis, tendinosis in his Achilles. And Woj comes on TV with me today and says he's going to be out a while. They believed last night that there's no, they don't believe there's any significant damage. He had missed the previous two games um, with soreness in that Achilles. It's been bothering him for a couple of weeks. And, and I think he's going to, he and the Lakers uh, are going to continue to try to take the long view on this. And that may mean him having to sit for a period of time. So I'll just say this as directly as I can. Anthony Davis has a lengthy injury history. Lengthy. It just didn't happen last year in L.A. And maybe part of the reason is because the season got cut off in March and then he had a whatever it was, four-month break, however long that break was, before he came back and he was rested and refreshed and healthy as could be in the playoffs. Anthony Davis's injury is the difference between who wins the championship. It's just that simple. With a completely healthy roster, the Lakers are going to win the title, no matter what else happens. If Anthony Davis is not healthy, then that obviously changes. The other thing, and I don't have time to get deeply into it here today, but we will spend some time on it this week, is Kyrie Irving just handing the point guard role in Brooklyn to James Harden, which, oh, by the way, is exactly the right thing to do. So there's been a lot of criticism of Kyrie for a lot of different reasons, and understandably so in some cases. But this is him getting it. This is him understanding that let Harden handle the ball, let Kyrie play off the ball. Kyrie could be as good off the ball as any guard in the NBA. And so I like that. I like the way that is shaping up. Right now, if you ask me, I think the Brooklyn Nets are clearly the team to beat in the East. And if Anthony Davis is for every reason not healthy, I believe the Brooklyn Nets will win the championship if they are healthy in the first year of their big three. This is Greeny, and for all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. All right, my quest for the rest of this day is to make sure that Hembo knows at least something about the Beatles by the time you go to sleep tonight. Okay, fair Any enough. Any chance of that? Yes, I can listen to their top five on Spotify. The top five. <laughs> Have a wonderful President's Day. I'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Greenie, the podcast.